what you're doing with that steering wheel is you're overcompensating one way and the other. There's great big swings. And that's what I think about a lot of large corporations. They don't have a balance between adaption and innovation. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Awesoming's podcast, where we highlight people pursuing their definition of, you guessed it, awesome. So buckle up and get ready for some more success story adventures and failures from Kentucky's tech and entrepreneur community. Awesome, guys. Thanks for checking out this podcast. For those of you who are tuning in and you missed episode one, you got to stop. You got to go back, listen, so you can get caught up to speed because we have Elon Musk. I mean, I mean, Ben Atkinson here with us <laughs> and he is just blowing our minds. So quick recap. We talked about innovation as a system. Now we're moving towards the S-curve and the work that Ben and his team at Toyota are doing to be very innovative. Um, one quick thing we talked about, well, Liz, sweet, sweet Liz mentioned everyone had a beat up Camry grown up. One of my best friends had a Camry that his dad broke off the door handle and it wasn't paper clips, but he used some metal twine that was maybe two inches long to be his car door opener. <laughs> and it was the ultimate sign of you are a poor late high school, early college student that you're not going to fix your issue. And at, at Toyota, we would call that a Kaizen. Yeah, ka- Kaizen. <laughs> so if you're... <laughs> no doors to use. It was so bad, especially when it was dark or raining. fishing wire. Just, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> okay, uh, enough of my rant. Liz, why don't you... <laughs> Why don't you take uh, it from Toyota's here? insulted by this podcast already. <laughs> Toyota, so we're sorry. really sorry. <laughs> so uh, then we kind of ended talking about the strength of a large company, which is that incremental improvement and becoming the best at what they do. How how does this affect their ability to innovate now? A great question, Liz. Um, if we think back to that S curve, every system has one. Um, it it. It starts out slow, it ramps up as you get really good with your continuous improvements, and then it hits this fundamental limit. Um, Big corporations are big because they build effective systems at scale, and they are able to standardize, and they're able to move at speed and high quality. Um, Building these kind of systems can become a hurdle to innovation because the mindsets and the thinking ways that built these scalable systems are not necessarily the mindsets we need to leap to another system. And I have to be careful here because um, the people who work on the S-curve, who work at the beginning of the system that have to make it work, I call those the attainers. They've been given a system, they've been given some equipment, and now they've got to make a car with it. Um, We actually call those guys our, our SABI technicians. Sabi. Sabi. Mm. Um, I call them the attainers. So they make the equipment work to make the cars. Then we also have the maintainers. These are the maintenance teams that keep the system working. And then uh, the sustainers, which is everyone's job at Toyota. These are the folks who are incrementally improving on the current system, doing our Kaizans. So this, th- these, these people have a particular problem-solving style, which I'll go into in some more detail later. But um, this problem-solving style is not the cognitive style or the problem-solving style of the people who will build the next system, hmm. necessarily. The next new idea. The next new will. idea. The next breakthrough manufacturing system, in our example, or the next breakthrough in mobile phones. Um, 
in Western culture, we sort of worship the innovators. We have to admit we're not as important as our press tells us we are, okay? Um, <laughs> quick quick PSA to all the Americans <laughs> listening. Because without those people who are doing the attaining work, the maintaining work, and the sustaining work, your idea would never reach a large audience. You would never have a system that would scale. And so I think it's important to recognize that innovators are not the most important people at the company. Um, the group that builds the system is just important, maybe more important, depending on what industry you're in and how many innovation cycles you're going through, your market cycles you're going through. So um, I think it's really important to um, think about the people necessary to keep a system going and also the people who are inventing the new breakthrough, the new system. Um, there is actually a really effective um, method for, for measuring people's problem-solving styles and it was developed by a Dr. Michael Curtin, K-I-R-T-O-N, um, and it's called the Curtin Adapter Innovator Inventory. And it's a real simple um, cognitive assessment. Um, it does not measure intelligence. It measures problem-solving preferences, your style for problem-solving. And um, I think it's like 33 questions on a five-point scale, and you uh, have a facilitator take you through this. And you can find out where on this spectrum you lie. The spectrum ranges from adaption as your preferred problem-solving style or innovation as your preferred problem-solving style. This is so overlooked in innovation management in organizations large and small. And it's so important to know your, uh, understand the cognitive diversity of your team. Because hmm. if you don't understand the cognitive diversity of your team, you can't bring the right people together at the right time for your organization's needs. So the people on the end of um, adaption prefer to work on the existing system and make small improvements to it over time. If you've got a problem that needs to be solved, they want to take the current system and improve it so it meets those needs. On the other end, the innovation side, these folks, when presented with a problem, want to build a different system to solve that problem. And uh, they're fine uh, thinking in analogy and metaphor and, and coming up with stuff that hasn't been seen before. Um, the Curtin Adaption Innovation Inventory is non-pejorative. That means adaption's not better than innovation. Both sounds, are, sounds like the Enneagram, but, but make it innovators. Yes, very, very, very similar. There, there's, no, there's no right um, on, Garrett's on a this seven, spectrum. And you are right to be a seven. I'm a two. Seven. Um, <laughs> My man, yeah. I knew it. So, I knew it. <laughs> so the, the value in understanding your team and where they fall in their problem-solving um, styles uh, can help you better solve your problems, whether it's improving the current system or when you need the breakthrough, um, bringing the right people together to, to do that. Now, as you can guess on the adaption innovation scale, I'm, 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 on the, I'm, the, I'm a pathological innovator. <laughs> Um, which basically means if you leave me alone with a bag of money, I'll either come up with the greatest idea or I'll bankrupt your organization. There will be no money. So, yeah. So, um, however, I can do the work of adaption. Hmm. It just costs me a lot psychically. Same thing with people who are naturally on the adaption end. Hmm. They can do the work of innovation. It costs them. It's emotionally draining. It can be uncomfortable for them. Mm. For them, so it's not that you want to just say only adapters show up to keep the system running. You want to mix, 
but you have to be sensitive to your team's needs and understand if you're going to ask someone to stretch or work in a role they're not um, uh, naturally comfortable in, they're going to have to bring some coping mechanisms with that, which can also mm. be taught to teams as well. So long story short, um, I think our leadership needs to take the time to understand the cognitive diversity of our organizations so you know who to bring to your system at what time. Mm. And when um, when it's necessary to be more adaptive and necessary to be more innovative, I like that you said they're both they're both good. It it feels, I mean, truly similar to the enneagram. All of them are right, but it also I like what you said earlier about, um, especially in Western culture, we celebrate. I mean, we celebrate entrepreneurs. We're we're obsessed with mm -hmm. their stories, but really, after the first couple of years, we we don't we don't read those books. Um, and it I'm re this is on my mind recently because I've been watching the what is it the Last Dance on Netflix. But I think. We're, we're obsessed with the Michael Jordans and we don't mm -hmm. talk as much about the Scotty Pippins who was also right. excellent in his own right. But I just think we, I am, I'm, I'm not an entrepreneur or an innovator. I think shockingly, I actually, I don't really get excited at the beginning of the S curve and mm -hmm. to put it in your words, I get excited in in the maintaining of the S curve. But I just think that's a really important thing as we talk about, you know, building teams that they both have to be celebrated or else the people aren't going to self-select it to be in the room. You are going to have to go find them. And maybe there's a little bit of both. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, especially in America, um, we're, we're very focused on the rugged individualism and we have been since the founding of this country. So, you know, we got it naturally. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. um, interesting about the curtain adaption in innovation inventory. It, um, <clears throat> It is consistent across cultures. So the average, if you look at the bell-shaped curve of a large population in America, the average is going to be about the same no matter what country you go to. We just talk about ours more. Exactly. Mm -hmm. if, if you go to Japan, um, you'd find just as many on the innovation or the adaption scale, but different cultures celebrate different ends of the scale. Mm. And of course, in America, we celebrate the innovation in, in Japan. They celebrate and reward more adaption. So um, it's interesting, especially if you're working in you know, um, uh, international companies, that's also a, a factor to consider when you have yeah. teams that are working globally on a, on a problem. So. Mm. No, I, I really, I think that's a, I think it's about team dynamics is what, is what I'm hearing and how important that can be. So you kind of talked about the who's of innovation. And I think we can continue getting into that. But a question we get a lot is when, when do you <laughs> focus on innovation? You obviously focus at the beginning of a company, when you're launching it, when it's a new idea, but once you're rolling and succeeding, when, when do you jump, when do you make that new S curve? Uh, excellent question. Um, you do it before you hit the limit of your current system. <laughs> <laughs> ideally, I guess I should say. When do you ideally do it? That's 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 when that's when you definitely want to um, not be starting your innovation efforts when you're maxing out your current system. Unfortunately, many organizations do just that um, because, like for reasons we just mentioned, um, they may not be staffed with a team that have both adaption and innovation. Um, uh, problem-solving preferences. So, if you're if you're skewed one way to towards adaption, for example, then when it's time to innovate, if you've waited too long, then it's 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 a firefight. It's you know, mm. we've got 
to do something innovative, and then you start getting innovation theater because they don't really understand innovation. They're really focused on adaption, mm. and if and and so you 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 end up with innovation activities that are just kind of fluffy, like um, you know, off the shelf solutions called new or um, um, copying a competitor something a competitor did two years ago or you know, this type of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so while you should be looking for your next system, that, that breakthrough to your next um, system, uh, long before the upper limit of your current system, um, you really have to start using some of the strategic problem exploration tools to anticipate what your customers need over the horizon or around the corner. Um, I find that many large organizations won't sit with the problem exploration phase very long. They the moment a problem or a gap is identified, they want to f- solve it right there. Um, but it's worth uh, taking time to invest in learning how to do strategic problem exploration. And there are a number of tools for doing this, um, and and I can probably provide you some to, to link up in your show notes. Um, but there are ways to evaluate the evolution of your current technology so you can tell where you need to be in a year or two years or three years. Mm. Um, there are ways to... Uh, leverage a, a diverse group of your customers and map their perceptions. It's a tool called perception mapping. It allows you to look at a system and identify innovation targets within that system. So there's a number of tools to pursue. I think more organizations need to be aware of these tools and they mm-hmm. need to start using them earlier than, they're, than they do today. Hmm. Garrett, this reminds me of the talk that Steve Huey did at our startup oh, summer retreat. Uh, Steve, have we had him man. on the podcast yet? You know, we should. We need to. Hey, if you're listening to this and you live in Louisville or you've <laughs> driven to the city and you run to Steve, dashingly good looking Huey, hook him up with me. I, I gotta, <laughs> we got to get him on the show. He'd be great. He, ben, uh, you would love him. You would love him. Oh, he's, I can't wait to meet him. He's a prolific entrepreneur and we have him come speak at our events all the time. He's driest of humor. And, but, one very brief thing he talked about was in a startup's growth, mm-hmm. the importance of expanding your team at that like perfect sort of convergence of time yeah. mm-hmm. when you are about to have the money to pay for them. But that terrifying moment when maybe you don't yet, but if you don't have them at the right time, then you're not going to be able to scale. And it feels like that, but for the corporate world, almost in a complete reverse. Mm-hmm. Instead of bringing on the right people at just before you need them to be able to maintain and grow, it's almost you got to bring on the right people before you completely flatten out that curve to to create yeah. that whole new curve. What you've just said, Liz, is why I'm so excited you guys exist <laughs> and can teach these fundamental innovation concepts to corporations. My analogy is my 15-year-old is about to drive. You remember when you learned to drive? I was ready. Oh, and you know these skinny Kentucky roads we got around here? Terrifying. Yes. Oh, my god. I'm an adult. LOL. I'm 24. But I drive on <laughs> some Kentucky roads, and I think these are way too small for two, two normal cars. Or one 15-year-old learning to drive because yes. when you're learning to drive, what you're doing with that steering wheel is you're overcompensating mm-hmm. one way and the other. That's There's true. great big swings. And that's what I think about a lot of large corporations. They don't have a balance between adaption and innovation. Maybe they're heavily loaded up on adaption. And so when the innovation event happens, when they've got to innovate, they're overcompensating. They're swinging that wheel one way or the other. And then there's they're, the board of directors and CEOs say, you got to go fast. And they step on the gas and they're in the ditch. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
the organization you know that, that I've heard called the ambidextrous organization has mastered adaption and innovation and he's and and the organization is like the Formula One race car driver where they're moving that wheel just the tiniest bit at just the right time mm-hmm. and 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 when they put on more speed they keep it right in the middle of the road and they win the race that is an on purpose automobile analogy because I work at Toyota that was good <laughs> yeah it makes me think makes me think it's so much easier to fine tune things when they're going versus yeah the mm-hmm. whole overcorrection thing I mean think about an actual accident in a car mm-hmm. if someone merges in a lane you're you know swerving versus naturally uh going off you know maybe into the lane or the emergency lane i remember mm-hmm. a couple of years back i was driving to atlanta for a conference with some friends it was rainy perfect you know day for a wreck unfortunately and somebody spun out and so my friends you know freaked out i yelled i was going i was driving sort of a little too much but there was a, a semi and that guy did not even break a sweat just naturally you saw his hands ever so gently move then come back but again, yep. all that experience, you need to define tune versus overcorrect. Absolutely. That's a great point, even applying to businesses. Difference between an amateur and a professional right there in that big truck. Wow. Um, I just need the audience to know that story was unplanned, but that you just <laughs> made the perfect analogy that truck is a big company. It's a big, that is, big versus little. Oh, yeah. That really hit home. Wow. Well, if you didn't see, actually, I have all my show notes on the floor. Actually, there's nothing there. So you look twice. <laughs> um, actually, spontaneous thought. And going back to your 15-year-old daughter, totally, totally non-related, but if she's learning how to parallel park or is it, is it your son? My, my son is 15. Okay. My yeah. bad. Actually, I didn't know that. So your son is 15 parallel park, two trash cans, make them back them up. That's what my dad did. I'm a champ at it. All right. So All it's right. a good, it's a good thing. Um, something interesting and I'm stealing the show, so I'll shut up in a second. But all this talk makes me think of the bombers effect or bombers point. Have you heard of that before? No, give it to me. Okay. Uh, I'm not condoning any behavior. It, I just saw it on TV once, but there's a show where a man has not too much to drink, but he has a little more than being tipsy. And all of a sudden he can be this phenomenal pianist. But when he's sober, can't play a lick. And when he has too much, he passes out. So it's this, this point where you're like firing on all cylinders. And that made me think, Liz, when you brought up Steve's comment about you want to be at that right moment, maybe you're nervous about bringing on more people for your team or, you know, paying too much. But if you don't have that, that, that happy accident, I'd say, then you're not going to be operating at a high capacity like you're talking about on the S-curve. So, yeah, very now, are, cool are, stuff. Are, I, I, we might want to riff on this a little more because I, I have had some really good brainstorming sessions and that, that was in the presence of bourbon. So <laughs> um, I, I understand that. You're in, you're in the right state. <laughs> some of my friend. best music playing has been after a, a glass of bourbon or two. <laughs> a glass. Um, Garrett, I feel like that's a good wrap-up for... For the second episode here, uh, I feel like bourbon is always a good, a good sign <laughs> that we've reached the end of the analogies. Um, and then I think I think a great thing, Ben, that I would love to hear about um, in in the next episode is sort of how do we make that happy accident maybe an an intentional mm. an intentional accident. Excellent. That was so good. Thanks, Liz. You're Thanks, a natural. Man. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Awesomeings Podcast. And another quick thank you to Lee Rosevere and a few members from our community who provide the music that you hear in the show. Lastly, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Or even better, come on down to our space. Come be a part of our community and get plugged in. And let's start something awesome together. You guys rock. We'll see you next time.